Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Melody. Our guest today is the president and founder of Franchise Marketing System, which is a company that helps build, define, and structure franchises to help them open new locations to brand new markets. So if you wish to learn how to scale your business, this episode is for you. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Chris Connor. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Melody. Great to be here. All right. So um, let's start with your backstory uh, of your company. How did it all start? Yeah, so I I love talking about, uh, I, I love entrepreneurship, just period. I, I think small business owners, entrepreneurs are are the absolute lifeblood of, of any economy, um, just in, in never-ending respect. I, I came from a family that had nothing to do with entrepreneurship at all. Uh, so to me, when I was growing up, what I thought the definition of success was, you work for a company, you stay there for you know, 30, 40 years, you work on building up your 401k and your retirement, um, you know, maybe you get the gold watch at the end, and that's your, that's your story. And that was what my dad did. Um, I went to work for a company that helped companies franchise in 2001, and it was my first real in-person experience with entrepreneurs. And I just, I found right away, I fell in love with the passion, the energy, the excitement around it. And, and I, I just found myself actually enjoying what I did for work because I was working with entrepreneurs in 2008 and nine, when the recession hit, uh, I lost my job. The company sort of folded at that point. And I was kind of pushed into entrepreneurship, um, just because I needed to figure out how to pay the mortgage. That was the, the extent of my vision. So I, I started FMS, Franchise Marketing Systems, in 2009. It was just me working in my basement and and just just hustling, you know, working 100-hour weeks like many entrepreneurs and uh, or more and uh, just getting it figured out. What we did that was unique and still is unique is that we not only help a company become a franchise, but we also help sell it. And that was not done before. So that, that was really what, what positioned us against other companies doing this. We were really fortunate to have a couple of brands that we started working with, and they had fantastic growth. They, they ended up becoming really flourishing franchise systems. Um, so I was fortunate. I was able to hire my, my dad, my mom, my two brothers, my aunt and cousin, and, and you know, other family members. Um, and today we've grown to where we have 34 people. We've franchised almost 800 companies. We've sold over 8,000 franchises between them. Um, I still don't think that what we do is rocket science. It's just that we're in the trenches. We're, we're working alongside these entrepreneurs and giving them the resources and the help that they need to get these things up and running. But I'm now 14 years in, and I could not be a bigger advocate for entrepreneurship. I uh, love talking to people about starting businesses and how to grow them. And to me, it's just what gets my, uh, gets my juices going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know, but I think your story of, uh, you know, suddenly not having a job and now, you know, to pay mortgage, you gotta, you gotta, um, 
you know, do something about it. It puts you in a mindset of this is how I'm going to help, you know, uh, these entrepreneurs because you've been through, you know, the dark side, right? Or the hardship and all those challenges that one face. So we can't just Mickey Mouse this journey. You know, of course, there's going to be trials and error. But I think your backstory of having that, you know, difficult experience gives you a little bit more, um, uh, you know, more story and more sympathy and compassion <laughs> in uh, in helping. And, and you need that in order to really help um, your your clients, right, Chris? It's totally true. And And I don't care what business we talk about, what brand we talk about how big and how prolific any company is. They've all gone through moments where they were really tough. Um, you know, companies were many times on the brink of failure, complete failure. Um, but the thing is when it's yours, when you own it and it's your business, it's your brand, you, you still, you embrace it. It's still fun. I look back on, on many moments that were tough, you know, where you look back on the business and I still would not trade it for anything. Um, and I could have gone and found a job somewhere and worked for, for someone else and just fallen back into that routine. I'm so, so glad that I didn't. You know what? I think it's also that that love for the game. You know, for me, uh, you know, being considered a veteran in um in in my previous uh previous um career, right? So have this this business that I built from ground up and then you know, it was to a point where it truly is, you know, I could say, you know, quite successful. A lot of people think so. But then again, I think the thrill um, wasn't there anymore. <laughs> so, I, you know, you keep pivoting and you keep, um, you know, finding that that juice to just, you know, excel and, um, you know, and flourish more. Right. But um, so let's talk about your company. And and kudos to you for all those uh, businesses that you help start, you. Uh, franchise, and 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 grow and sell. So that's that's amazing. Uh, so talk to our audience about franchising. What is it about, and how does one go about doing that? Yeah. So I, you know, I think a lot of of uh, business owners or people who haven't been involved in franchising, there's a little bit of a maybe misconception uh, about it or just unfamiliarity, which is true, I guess, of anything. You know, if you haven't been in it, you don't know it. Um, but I guess the first thing I would put out there is that franchising is absolutely not just food service. And, and, and I think that's what most people assume is that is that franchising is geared towards the food service industry. And, and that's absolutely not the case. Maybe at one point it was heavily weighted that, that way, but now we work with all different industry segments, all different types of businesses, uh, you know, from insurance to healthcare, to agricultural, to manufacturing and everything in between, um, and all different shapes and sizes too. We, we've worked with some big public companies like Baxter Healthcare and, uh, UPS stores and Delta airlines down to, um, you know, the doghouse of hot dog restaurant in, in Eastern North Carolina <laughs> uh, and everything in between too. So um, that's one part. And I've seen it now in 20 plus years doing this, just that, that franchising I think has engulfed all industries. You, you almost can't find a business or an industry segment that hasn't utilized franchising in some way to grow and scale. Um, so what is it? The, the basics of the model, basically what you do when you franchise your business, you, you package up, 
all of your intellectual property, your brand, your operating system, your way of getting new clients, your way of operating the, the day-to-day business, all the things that you as the business owner have learned and developed and built, uh, and then putting it into a package and then presenting that to people that are looking to start their own business. And what I think is maybe a little bit surprising to a lot of people who have not done franchising before is just how many people there are that are every day trying to figure out how do I start my own business. Um, And to give you a sense of this, we are marketing franchises and generating leads. That's part of selling franchises. In a single month, we'll bring in anywhere from 10 to 15,000 new franchise buyer leads just through the things that we do. And, and we're only some small piece of the franchise market. Um, there's an endless stream of people that want to be a business owner and don't know how to do it. So if we give them a good package, a good model, and the support and the blueprint to help them do that, they can win. From the business owner standpoint, the big, big benefits to this is one, it's like a partnership. You're, you're kind of bringing in a partner. The downside to a partnership is you're giving up control, you're giving up equity and franchising. There's none of that. You as the business owner retain all the equity. You as the business owner retain all the control. Um, it still allows you to grow with other people's money. You know, we've, we all hear that saying over and over again. Um, and that's one of the biggest benefits here is the franchisee takes on the burden of the investment in the new business. They build the building, they market their location, they fund that operation. And in today's market, maybe even a bigger benefit of the franchise model is the operations and the labor side of it. Um, It's a tough labor market. I I don't care what industry you're in right now. I don't care what part of the world you're in. It's tough to find, keep, and retain good people. And franchising helps alleviate some of that because we're putting people in business as an owner. And when someone puts skin in the game, they put money down on the business, it's their company, which is the case with a franchisee, you don't have to show up every day and make sure that they're counting the cash drawer correctly or they're treating the customer right or showing up on time because they're operating like a business owner and entrepreneur. Yeah. So from the franchisor standpoint, the person who started this business, you get all these benefits. It allows you to scale. And if, and if you do it correctly, we've had some unbelievable wins where people were able to exit their company and sell their business in, in a handful of cases for over a hundred million dollars or more and done really well with it. So, so I hear that if you have the blueprint, you have the processes uh, and that in my, in my head, you know, I feel that I have bottled what I needed to bottle in my operation. <laughs> and if I could just, you know, it's here and, and kind of scale that way and have uh, people gain from it. Right. So, so for our, for our audience out there, who have been doing it for quite some time and who feel that they have proprietary or intellectual, um, you know, knowledge of, um, of what they have that they know has worked. You know, it's not a bad uh, idea to look into it. Right, Chris? <laughs> well, and I love that word that you just used, bottled. You know, yes. that it, once you've bottled it up, you've figured it out, you've got your marketing process down, you have your, your, your sales process, you've got your operations down, it's this complete package, and, and that is worth a fortune to someone who's trying to start their own business. It's, it's worth a, a ton, and, uh, and, and that's the premise. You as the business owner have, have created, built, and own the intellectual property. The franchisee comes in and pays you 
for the right to get access to that. And in return, the success rate of a new franchise in the U.S. is like 87, 88%. The success rate of a new business in the U.S. is like 7%. It, it's completely inverse. And it's because they get the melody. You know, they get the the, the Joe, they get the person. Yeah, they, they, they get the person who figured this thing out. And, you know, part of it is knowing what not to do. Like, hey, I tried doing that. It doesn't work. Here's how you market. Here's how you do this. And here's how you execute. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because that's, you wouldn't think, but there is truly a price tag on those, the mistakes that the franchisor made that is making sure that you don't commit to that. Because there's the time factor, the money factor, the frustration, the headache, the stress, you know, name it. And, and basically you're saying, okay, here it is minus that, you know what I mean? Or minus what I, what the person, the franchisor uh, have gone through, right? And um, that's a that's a good statistic. That's awesome. Eighty some eighty plus percent success rate yeah. for those who want, because a lot a lot out there would really want to. They just really don't know where to go. But that's a good um, that's a good track record. And I think yeah. twenty twenty two, there are seven hundred ninety two thousand <clears throat> close eight hundred thousand franchise franchise here in, yeah. in the U.S. Right. Um, uh, and I think I wrote it somewhere, 827 billion economic output with over 8 million employees. So, so for the, for those who want to, to own a company, that's a good route plus what it does really, uh, to the overall economy. That's uh, pretty fascinating. Right. Chris? It, it, it's a, it's a huge market. I mean, it, I think anyone would have a hard time like looking at where they shop, where they buy, who they, who they, you know, hire for services um, and, and, and not working with a franchise, like in every day, you know, we all do, we, 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 we buy gas, we buy food, we hire accountants, you know, through franchised companies. And uh, there's a comfort from the consumer standpoint in working with a brand that's recognized and in working with a company that is bigger than just one location Um there's a reason why the average McDonald's does about 2.8 million in sales. The average burger restaurant might do six, 700,000. And I think we all know pretty well, the burger's not better at McDonald's. It's not like they have some amazing food. Um, I mean, it's still not terrible, but it's not the best burger. The reason we go there is we know it. We've seen it on TV. They've got brand equity. They have great locations. They have buying powers. So they can sell the product at a lower cost point. All those things go into driving more traffic, more consumer flow and ultimately more dollars into those locations. And it's the same for H&R Block. It's the same for uh, franchised car dealerships. I mean, it, it works when we've got a, a consistent brand and we have a consistent customer experience. People are more confident going there and buying from those. Customer experience, right. Uh, so the golden the golden arch, right? That's the, that yeah. has, uh, you know, again, it's a trivia. It's only in the Philippines that McDonald's McDonald's is not the number one um, hamburger chain. You know that? <laughs> it's only there. Maybe second. I, I worked with the number one from the Philippines. I worked at Jollibee uh, years and years ago. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, I found that the, the Filipino culture uh, is entrepreneurial, um, optimistic. Um, they, they're capitalist. And uh, and it's, I've just had great experiences working with uh, many many business hardy. owners. Very hardworking. Very uh, hardworking too. Right? Yeah. 
very hardworking, hospitable. I mean, very warm people. I mean, to a fault, I think. For for our audience out there, they have a business. It's thriving. It's flourishing. When when is a good time to then say, "Hey, you're right. This is a good time. You can mm -hmm. check a, check uh, into this um, franchising." When so, the the textbook answer. If if we're in a uh, you know a college course on franchising, they would see they would say something like, "We want you to have at least three years of of business. We want you to have um, you know well documented financials that show escalating you know revenues and increasing profitability. Um, we'd like to be in a financial position where we can show a franchisee a return on on their investment on what it takes them to open up the location. We'd like them to see them to be able." to pay back that business in probably that investment in probably two to three years if it's a service model and maybe four to six years if it's a fixed location retail or food service model. Now, what I can tell you from having launched so many different franchise brands, um, those things are important, but they, they're not the end all be all. We have had some incredible success stories of brands that in one case, they franchised before they even opened. They were in the process of franchising the model while they were opening up the business, wow. uh, but they had great PR. They had great credibility. They were strong resumes, and uh, and it was just obvious that this was going to be a market segment that people wanted to get into. They were in the green, eco-friendly moving segment. Um, there's one that we developed that's not far from you called Creamistry. It's a liquid nitrogen ice cream model, um, and we franchised him, and he had six months in business, one location. And he sold 320 locations, and uh, and and you know. In, in, in how long? In how long, um, Chris? About four years, about four years, and uh, so I don't think that there is a a rock solid. You have to have X Y Z to do this. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that we need to have a financial model that makes sense. Everyone that comes in to invest with us is going to look at the numbers. They want to figure out: Will this thing make money? Will it? Give me an opportunity and a better opportunity to be, uh, to have a better life and a better financial future, those kinds of things. If I invest with them, um, there's no guarantees in franchising. And part of what we do when we present a franchise is we're very clear that we can't guarantee that you will perform at the same level that we have as a company. Our, our, our locations will, we, we might show are doing this much in revenue doesn't mean you're going to do that much. You have to work hard. You have to follow the system. Your market has to be right. All those things have to be in place. What we can do, however, is give them, give them reference and an idea of what the business model is capable of. And that, that's critical because obviously if you put yourself in a, in a franchisee investor's shoes, that's ultimately what would get you to write the check and buy the franchise and make the investment is if you felt it was a good financial model. Um, I I personally have bought seven different franchises over the years that I've I've owned, just the franchise locations, and all of them uh, had good numbers. They had good financials. Um, none of them were in business for longer than three years. They were all like relatively new, mm -hmm. and I bought one of the first ten franchises in every one of them. So mm -hmm. to me. What I like is I like a relationship with the franchisor. I like a, a, a level of communication, commitment, and a willingness from the franchisor, the business owner, to be there for me, to help me, to work with me. 
and, and, and develop a relationship. So for some people, they like to go to the big brand, the Dunkin' Donuts, the Subway, um, fill in the blank. Me, I, I actually found more success working with a small new franchisor that was really focused on me, really dedicated to me, and did whatever they had to do to make it work. Mm-hmm. So, so in your experience, you know, for 20 years, right, of uh, being in the business, um, what's the percentage of those that you've worked with that didn't make it? What's the total flaw? So I would break our, our brands down into thirds. I would say we have a, a top third that goes to 40 or more units. You know, those, those would be success stories there. Once you hit that point, you are a self-sufficient, um, financially viable and successful business. Um, as a franchise, just as a franchise, I would say there's another third that is between falls between 10 and 40. Uh, locations and those could still be success stories. They're just not, you know, they're not, they're not thriving. I, yes. I wouldn't say they're thriving franchise systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a bottom third that don't get to 10. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why we, we have that. But the biggest reason, the number one reason is when you get into franchising, if, if you choose to get into franchising as a business owner, you have to embrace the fact that you are in a sales business. You now need to convince people and sell to people your vision, your philosophy of running the business, why they should trust you, why they should join you, why we have a great industry segment for them to join. And I don't think that only the best salespeople are successful in franchising, but if you're not willing to embrace sales and jump into it with both feet, it's not going to go. You, you've you've got to be willing to do that. Now, we will help a business owner in doing the lead generation, the qualifying, the prospecting, lining up people to meet with that owner, the owner has to convince them to get married. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do all the stuff that leads up to that point. And then the owner needs to be, hey, here's why you should trust me and, and join me and be part of this business with me. Um, that's one. The second reason why I see franchise systems not go is there is an element of training, support, management, and relationship that comes after they bought and the success of the franchise model is is very tied to the success of the franchisee if we sell these and they're not making money and they're not happy and they're not successful it's going to be short-lived it won't go won't go that far so um we we need to make sure that we're ready we have the patience and we have the the time to be able to help people coach them mentor them and and really train them to be successful um Probably the last big reason why I see companies either go or not go, and this was one of them that we had talked about before on one of our calls before. Um, this is a company that we developed in the restoration business. Um, when I started working with him in 2009, he had one location. He was working from his home. Um, he had a successful business, but he had only been in business for about eight months, nine months. He was very new. Mm-hmm. Um and and he he knew the restoration industry, but he wasn't like a like an expert in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we franchised him in two thousand nine. Today he has four hundred and twenty locations, and he sold the business in two thousand twenty for two hundred fifteen million dollars. Now in two thousand eleven, we were hired by another restoration company to franchise their business. They did thirteen million dollars a year 
They had 130 employees. They had been in the restoration industry for 40 years. They knew everything you could possibly know about restoration. I mean, they were absolutely experts. We started franchising. They sold the first one. They went through the process of opening them up and they quit. And, and their response back to me was, we can make more money by adding on trucks and hiring more employees. And we, we don't need to spend time worrying about franchise owners and that kind of a thing. And they never sold another unit. Now, not that that was a bad thing. I mean, they have a great business. They're doing well. But I highly doubt what they have built is worth even one-tenth of what the other guy built. And the difference, the only difference was vision. The other guy, his vision from day one was, I'm going to grow this thing. I'm going to scale it. I do not want to be in the day-to-day -day business. I have no interest in it. I don't want to be doing restoration work. I'm going to teach other people how to be in this business, and I'm going to grow a brand. I'm going to grow an enterprise, and and that that, that was his focus. For the, the other group, it wasn't their focus, and that, that's a big difference between the ones that make it and the ones that don't. Wow. Okay. Very good uh, answer. I, I like your answer. Um, so, Chris, for those that want to, but they feel and they think that they have what it takes, right? Where does your company come in or does your company come in to say, okay, this is where you're lacking and we're, we're going to help you here. Or pretty much this is what you take what they give you and say, yay or nay. Does that make sense? So it does it make sense? It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for one, we will, we will no cost, no obligation. We will talk to companies for, in some cases, years about what we recommend they put in place, how to position the brand, um, how to better, be in a better position to be able to do this. So we are always open to having discussions, having conversations, and, and hopefully providing insight as to how a company could get ready to do this. When someone is ready to actually take the next steps to go into the franchise model, we go through a process to help them basically refine, structure, mm -hmm. and organize their business so that they can be more effective selling it, scaling it, implementing the franchise model. Um, so we definitely help there. Usually when we come into a company, they've got a great core business. They're good at something. They've got a, a, a good track record. They have success in the industry, but they usually don't have great documentation in place. Mm -hmm. uh, they may be missing some tech. They may be missing some just organization because as entrepreneurs, a lot of the best entrepreneurs, we're moving around a lot of directions every day. We're a million miles a minute and you just don't have time. You haven't had time to sit down and put things on paper, put things in an organized process and really get it into a format that we could teach to a new owner. So we, we do that. That's all stuff that we do. We come into the location. We work with the, the business owner, with their staff, if there's a team, uh, to help get all the documentation in place. We build out a training program. We put together all the operations documents. We, we, we structure all of the, uh, the brand, uh, make sure that we have a good presence on social media, a solid web presentation. Uh, we have scripts in place, everything that we need to be able to take that, that, that magic that you have created as the business owner and bottle it and then give it to a new owner so that they can, they can be successful and they can learn it. Hey, Chris, you mentioned, um, you know, some, uh, some, uh, companies that you help out, they were not quite three years in the business and obviously they wouldn't have that financial solid financial track record. Uh, so is it all based on projection? How do you guys sell it to franchisees? 
without without those. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to be careful in franchising. We cannot give a buyer projections. What we can do is give some version of historical data to them. So let's talk about that restoration company yeah. mm-hmm. uh, again, because he had he had only had a few months of business. Now, what we did was we showed those few months of business. We also showed the average transaction size in those few months of business. Mm-hmm. We created the worksheets. We created the pro formas. And then we gave those variables to buyers and let them build out their own financial projections with data that we had actually pulled from historical data. Uh, with Cremistry, who only had six or seven months in business, we did the same thing. We used a short time period and then let people take that financial model from that short time period and build out their own financials. So we, we probably would have to do something like that if it's a company that didn't have a long track record in place, which is fine. Um, as long as we can show them how they can get to a good return and ultimately a good financial, good business opportunity, then that's really what we need to do mm-hmm. and, uh, and structure that. So without me really you know, researching and, you know, going, you know, diving into these. Um, I think what a lot of people think on franchising is number one, there's that barrier of, of um, the price, right? That it's just astronomically crazy costly to get into franchising. And second is the time. You know, like I think that usually it's at least six months and a lot of paperwork, filing, et cetera. Um, can you can you help uh, clarify clarify all those myths out there? Or yeah, you- <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you're right on the timeline thing. I, I mean, it depends on the state you're in, um, but usually, I would say plan on like four to six months to launch one of these. Um, California, New York, Illinois, Maryland, Virginia, Washington, Minnesota. You need six months because those states will be, they're, they're just very strict. I mean, they're going to want to look at the company. They'll, they'll review the franchise mm-hmm. offering. There's a process we have to go through to get approved. Mm-hmm. Um, in many states, you don't have to go through any of that, and it's much quicker. Three, four months, we can be launched. We can have a fr- live franchise offering. Uh, from a cost standpoint, it's not, I mean, it's all relative, I suppose, but depending on the brand, depending on the business, Twenty-five dollars to $50,000, a company can launch a franchise model. Um, we've had many, many, many st- examples where companies uh, were profitable and, and made you know much more than that in their first six to nine months of doing this because it really only takes one unit sold to right. recoup that expense uh, just because of the nature of the model. Typically, a franchisee will pay a fee to the, the the franchisor of the average right now is about $40,000 that they would pay you for the rights to the name and the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would pay a royalty percentage of anywhere from 6 to 12% of their gross. Um, there's other ways to make income off this as well by selling products to them and having vendors pay a rebate back as well. Um so all these things tie into a business model that is exceptionally profitable. Um, and and the whole concept of this is that it's based on residual, repeatable, like membership-based revenue. Mm-hmm. So long-term, one of the big reasons that I always recommend to any business owner, like you should look at this. Most entrepreneurs, heck, including me, 
I mean, I've, I've, I've owned this company for 14 years. Um, it's probably not worth that much because I do so much of what we do. It still comes back to me as the owner. And if someone came to buy my business, they might pay me one, two, three times my net. That's all it's worth. So if I'm netting $100,000 a year, it's worth $100,000, $200,000, $300,000. In franchising, the multiples are anywhere from 15 to 25 times your earnings. We had one brand last year sell for 43 times earnings. So let, let's say I'm doing that same $100,000 a year. If I get 43 times earnings, it's a $4.3 million exit. If I'm doing a million dollars a year, that turns into a much uh, bigger exit. This is absolutely a way to capitalize on what you have built, what you have put time, blood, sweat, tears, energy into, and at some point get to an opportunity to have an exit, which and not to say that the only reason you should do this is if you want to sell your company, but I think it's just better to build a business with the with the option and the potential for that, even if you don't necessarily choose to do it. So, Chris, uh, in your experience, what what's the main differentiating factor between one selling for, let's say, 15% and one selling 43%? What was the main ingredient that differentiated the multiplier? Um. It's, it's really just two factors. It's one, how quickly, how fast are you bringing in new franchise owners? Mm-hmm. How, how, how quickly are you retaining uh, uh, new, new owners, new franchisees and bringing people in? So when someone sees a growth curve that's going like that, it's going to be worth more than a growth curve that's going like that. Um, that's one. The mm-hmm. second and just as important is how successful the franchise owners are in that system. Right. If, one comes in and looks at, let's say we have 50 franchise owners and they look at our system and all of them are doing declining numbers, you know, year over year, their numbers are coming down. Um, the franchisees are not as profitable as we would have hoped they are. And oh, people aren't as happy. That's not worth as much as if we show a system of success and people that are growing their business and expanding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's really all it comes down to. Now, there's a whole lot of variables that go into what drives that. Mm-hmm. But as the franchisor, we need to be bringing people into our system and the people we bring in need to be winning. We need to make sure that they right. love us, they're happy, and they're making money. And then everything works. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, the states that usually would take, you know, six months or longer comparatively speaking. So if let's say, um, let's say an insurance company that's licensed in several states that operate in several states. um let's say California versus Arizona, can one change domicile that easily or file accordingly to what would be beneficial time-wise? As the franchisor? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So um, not to point fingers at any one particular state, but there are some states that are better business states uh, than others just because of like taxes, regulations, and all those things. Um, it is very easy to set up your franchise company in any state. We get a registered agent. We file that. I, we've, we've recommended Wyoming and Delaware, uh, Florida, Texas, Arizona are all great states to do that in. Um, but you can set up a company in those states. And now technically you are an Arizona franchisor selling from Arizona. Now, it does not alleviate the need to still get registered and approved in California if we're selling to a person who's a resident of California or their business will be located in California. 
So your firm would help with that, right? With making sure that all the filings are in place. And even if, let's say, uh, Arizona approves the, the franchise, and if you want to sell in in Arizona or in California, let's say, and it's not yet complete uh, in terms of the process, then you, then in California, you just wait. But Arizona, you could already, let's say. You could. Yeah. So there's 27 states that don't have any filing or registrations at all. Arizona is one of them. Uh, so if we base this company in Arizona, we, we get our FDD in place, we get our filings, we get all the things done that we need to, to be able to sell the franchise from a federal standpoint, we can sell in all 27 states immediately. Now, the other 23 states, the seven that I named earlier, California, Illinois, New York, Maryland, Virginia, uh, Minnesota, Washington, they are, they're tough. They're just going to put us through the ringer before we're allowed to sell in those states. Almost all of the other ones are pretty simple filings. Like Texas is a $25 filing. It takes two weeks to get approved. Florida is $100, takes two to three weeks to get approved. Most of the states that, that are out there really are pretty easy to go through. We just have to get their sign off before we sell to someone in that state, but it doesn't take a whole lot of time or money to do it. Hmm. Very interesting. I appreciate uh, Intel. <laughs> All right, um, Chris, I love franchising. You know, day one, 2001, when I read uh, E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Love it. And I read that, oh my God, five times, I think. And you can see it. <clears throat> you can see my book. It's like, oh, uh, it's, Shredded. it's gross. <laughs> it's gross now. <laughs> but, um, but I love it. I, it spoke to me, and since since that day, I knew I knew that that's something that I want to look into uh, closer. And um, Chris, so for all our for all our you know audience out there, what is the best way for them to find out more about your company and your services? I, I welcome anyone and everyone that is considering anything to do with franchising. Please, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to help introduce you to the franchise model, talk with you about your business, give you ideas and hopefully some direction. Um, and just maybe if, if everything aligns, we, we would love to help you with the actual franchise process and implementation. We have a website at www.fmsfranchise.com, fmsfranchise.com. Uh, you can call me on my cell phone anytime, 770 519 3910. Uh, again, can't say it enough. Would love to hear from you. Endless respect for entrepreneurs. And uh, please don't hesitate to, to reach out anytime. Reach out to Chris. Hey, you know, uh, before we go, I just want to really uh, say this. I like the fact that, um, you know, with your journey and with your backstory, on first you work for a company that helped a lot of franchisees already. So you knew it from that angle, right? You worked for a company that helped all these amazing companies. And then from there, you started your own company and now it's over a decade, you know, doing it and also has um, supported and helped and purchased the same franchisee, the franchise of, uh, of your clients to, you know, that's real skin in the game, Chris, right? <laughs> that's awesome. And I could tell from, uh, from, from listening to you, you know, how passionate you are in helping entrepreneurs bottle their product and services. Wonderful. So this wraps up our show, Chris. Um, I wish you continued success. 
Thank you, Melody. It is so great to spend time with you and thank you for the opportunity to be part of it with you. And for all the dreamers out there, keep believing. You got this. Till next time.